How will robots help in filling an avalanche of holiday orders? Is the logistics industry poised for a solid rebound? And how will retailers reach customers in the new normal? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV-TV. Five channels of streaming video are yours for the viewing on DCV-TV. Major improvements have recently been made to the DCV-TV platform to enhance the viewing experience, provide greater search capabilities, and to expand the capacity of the video library well beyond the 3,000 plus videos that are already in the archive. Be sure to check it all out at DCVTV.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, how will robots help with an overwhelming demand this peak season? To answer that, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Uh, we're glad to have with us uh, today Gillen Hawks, who's the Vice President of Product Management and Analytics at Six River Systems, where she's responsible for the product roadmap. Uh, prior to joining Six River, she had run e-commerce businesses for large retailers in the U.S. and the U.K., such as Tesco, Home Depot, and Staples, so some very familiar names there. Uh, thank you for being with us today, Gillen. It's great to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me. As David mentioned in, in the lead-in there, I, I think we're all aware here in, uh, in mid-October that as we approach the flood of orders that happens every year during the winter holiday peak season, uh, the omni-channel story of fulfilling those orders is often presented from the perspective of the consumer, one's ability to order or purchase more easily from anywhere. Uh, how do warehouse robots and automation fit into that story? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge for everybody. Um, and I think a great place to start before I get to kind of the automation piece is the a really fundamental piece of success for any um, any fulfillment during this these times is having a great sense of inventory availability and one one pool of inventory, be it in fulfillment warehouses around the country or in stores, is a real key to success. And I think uh, you know a great quote and, and a company who's doing it really well is Target. And I think a, a great quote from their chief supply chain and logistics officer is that you know a, a unified inventory strategy is the anchor and the catalyst for successful um, omni-channel execution and fulfillment. And that's so true. But, and so you gotta get the inventory in the right places and be it in stores and warehouses. And that's where the automation comes in. Um, so in those warehouses, fulfillment can help get products picked and shipped more quickly and efficiently and back to customers. That's part of the evolution. Um, and you know, uh, further than that, um, is customers saying, hey, we actually want uh, orders really quickly, but we don't want to come into the stores to do that. And we want to do curbside pickup um, uh, to help us have a contactless experience. And again, automation and AMRs um, can come into play there too. Yeah, that idea of one inventory uh, across many pools is really, uh, really clutch to, to performing that. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, uh, both workers and consumers um, are concerned about, about their healthy uh, in, in managing uh, this, um, either uh, not wanting to come into stores, looking at curbside pickup. Um, how can uh, AMR, autonomous mobile robot makers, uh, help keep warehouse workers safe on the job as they try to meet that challenge? Yeah, it's great that we can all really help in, in this, in making 
associates feel safe, be they warehouse associates or or store associates. And I think some very specific things that can that can uh, be done through automation and AMRs is you know simply providing you know, cleaning equipment for users to wipe down uh, the robots between shifts, giving them um, styluses and pens and things like that to avoid actually contact with the AMRs and the touch screens that are often uh, needed to execute a pick or, a, or any kind of warehouse activity. Um, another thing that we can do often is you can look at the, the navigation patterns in a warehouse and the AMRs can actually guide pickers away from each other um, so that you have less you know, opportunity for pickers to be exposed to each other. And I guess the final piece is obviously AMRs make uh, are, are more efficient. And so you need fewer pickers to pick the same number of orders. So there's just fewer pickers exposed if you use AMRs. Yeah, if efficiency really is the bottom line there. Um, but I mean, speaking of efficiency, if, if we're taking some of those extra steps, like cleaning, like uh, changing navigation patterns to, to tweak those, um, what, what can robot makers do to balance those needs for safety with productivity goals, uh, since a lot of DCs are seeing spikes in demand for products during the pandemic? Yeah, it's a delicate balance, I think, Ben. That's the key to it. Um, you know, safety, yet maybe making sure that, uh, you know, that their customer needs are met and that orders are picked uh, quickly. So one of the great tools that, that um, many, many AMR makers have is simulation, right? So you can simulate various configurations um, between, you know, optimizing for productivity and, and speed of picking versus some of the things we talked about before, uh, for instance, you know, avoiding other workers in the warehouse, which might mean you might take a little less efficient path to pick that product, but you're, you're, you're reducing the exposure risk. So sending what the right balance between productivity and efficiency is, and safety is, um, is a great tool. And achieving that balance with your customer to make sure that they're comfortable with, you know, the balance that you achieve is, is critical. Um, another very simple one is um, AMRs can be shifted around the country or around a warehouse very quickly and easily to avoid hotspots. So you can, you know, shift the demand um, around the country, avoiding hotspots and, and move your AMRs to those lower risk areas very quickly. Um, which I think is is hugely beneficial uh, in maintaining safety and productivity. Yeah, that's really interesting because uh, it, it it's one way in, in which robotic automation is really different from some other kinds of automation that are uh, that part of the building. Uh, but you, you can you can literally move them around uh, to to cover yeah, those yeah, spots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about some of these interesting uh, changes in how uh, warehouse robots are used. Uh, but will those changes persist after we find a vaccine? After we uh, achieve a, a safer uh, level? Uh, of health within our society and enter um, some form of a new normal uh, following COVID-19? I mean, all the data says and all the research says, and, uh, you know, there's a there's a good uh, a good McKinsey uh, report saying that, you know, consumers definitely have an intention of um, continuing to use uh, models like buy online, pick up in store, even after the pandemic yeah, moves, you know, moves into the rearview mirror. Uh, and we know that the shift to online purchasing was already you know, growing rapidly before the pandemic. And there are no signs that that's going to abate. So the new normal is definitely omnichannel. Um, and 
you know, and another shift that I think is going to persist in the omni-channel vein is just faster and faster delivery expectations. You know, two days used to be the norm. Now it's same day. And, you know, many retailers are setting the pace with within hours. So that just means that overall, there's going to be a shift to fulfillment having to happen closer to the customer um, so that that, you know, one hour delivery or two hour delivery um, can be met. And so that's presenting challenges to to retailers, to um, th third party logistics companies that that automation and AMR companies can help them with. Um, and, you know, I don't think there is a new normal. Um, I think the normal is that we're all going to see continuous change, uh, both within how consumers want to shop and receive product. Um, and so I think the good thing is that we've got some great tools within um, uh, within the, the bucket of automation and AM, AMR specifically that are that will help us navigate uh, the ever changing you know world and demands that that who knows what comes at us. Um, and I think some of the foundational aspects um, of AMRs is the concept of flexibility. We talked about it earlier. You can move AMRs easily around a warehouse, around a country. Um, and that is fundamental for, for flexibility within the supply chain um, for the future. Um, not only can you move AMRs around, but um, you can do very quick and easy software upgrades um, uh, that don't require any kind of uh, you know, in warehouse presence. So uh, if, if the pandemic is still with us, um, contactless upgrades to add functionality and change functionality um, is a, a unique aspect of AMRs that I think will benefit all of us uh, in the new norm, uh, which is coming at us. Um, you know, other things are um, that, that are unique to AMRs is just the ease of use and the quick training. Uh, I think, you know, the feedback that many people uh, say is to heck of a, it's very easy to transition pickers from, for instance, manual carts to a, um, a simple uh, paste screen that helps them pick quickly and easily and training can happen within 10, 15 minutes and then the pickers are off and going. So adding pickers to deal with the new influx of e-commerce is, is very easy with AMRs uh, because they, they are a simple solution. So lots of tools in our toolbox to help us navigate whatever may come. Uh, so interesting, Helen. Um, and and, and to, to deal, drill a little bit deeper into one of your points there, you talked about uh, the ease of moving robots around warehouses or around the country, uh, but it seems uh, to your point about some fulfillment happening within hours instead of days, um, that some fulfillment uh, we're going to see happen actually outside of traditional DC. Um, it, is that something that, that you've been seeing as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the faster and faster delivery expectations that the consumers are, are shouting for um, really can only be achieved through local fulfillment centers. And so the days of all orders being fulfilled from the middle of the country and, and shipped to, you know, the coasts uh, within within and hitting that that customer expectation of ours is just physically impossible. So we have already seen a big shift with retailers doing in-store picking um, from either a live store, which obviously presents you know, some complications because there are customers uh, in those stores as well, but there are lots of uh, examples of using robots in stores to assist the associates picking with customers you know, in and around them. But also you know, if, if space and or the store congestion is a problem, 
there is the great opportunity of, of abstracting the software that helps picking happen efficiently and putting it on a simple handheld so that the pickers can use the, the power of the smart software on their handheld, no robot needed, just a you know a shopping cart or, or just their hands to go and pick low levels of orders um, in a live store and quickly ship it to the customer, which hopefully is a couple miles away, or even make it available for curbside pickup. So that concept of live store picking or in a case where sometimes, unfortunately, you know, retail stores are closing and we've seen an acceleration in that trend. Um, but I don't think that spells, you know, disaster. There are many retailers who are shifting their live stores to dark stores. So no customers in those stores, but a great pocket of, of, of valuable inventory close to the customer. And AMRs can help associates in those dark stores pick e-commerce orders quickly and safely too. So, uh, you know, turning really lemonade or lemons into lemonade, I should say, uh, lots of opportunity to help with that. Such interesting trends going on here. Uh, we really appreciate your coming on the, the show today to, uh, to walk us through them and to describe how uh, we might see some of these things develop, both, at, both as consumers and as uh, members of, uh, of this industry here. Uh, Gillen, thank you very much for joining us. And it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Uh, we've had our guest today was Gillen Hawks, uh, Vice President of Product Management and Analytics at Six River Systems. Uh, thanks a lot. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Gillen and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you regularly track the Logistics Managers Index for us, and this past month there have been some rather healthy gains. First, can you tell us what the index represents and then share the latest results? Sure, Dave. Happy to. Uh, thanks for, for having me. Uh, the Logistics Managers Index, or the LMI as we call it, it, it tracks growth across the industry, measuring inventory, warehousing, and transportation activity. Um, it's a monthly report released by researchers from Arizona State University, Colorado State University, the Rochester Institute of Technology, Rutgers, and the University of Nevada, Reno, in conjunction with the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals. So um, essentially, uh, it's, like I said, a monthly index and a reading above 50 indicates growth in the industry, a reading below 50 indicates contraction. So what we saw here in September, which is the most recent report released, is the LMI surged to a reading of 70.5. And that's a level not seen in about two years and up considerably from a year ago. Uh, a year ago, the index had sort of settled into a mid to low 50s range which really indicates that the economic activity across the logistics sector was slow and steady really on a slow and steady growth curve. And it had been really experiencing accelerated growth for the two years prior, so, or four years prior, I should say. So basically it's been on an upward tra trajectory since May when it uh, rebounded from an all-time low of about 51.3 in April. What all this means is that business is picking up fast in logistics right now, and it's driven by a couple of key factors, really um, echoing what Ben and Gillen were just talking about, and that's a surge in e-commerce activity, which requires logistics intensive services, as we know, and also inventory restocking as retail is ready for peak season shipping. So that's those two things are kind of converging to, to make for a really, really busy time right now. Victoria, what does this mean for us then heading into the peak shipping season? Yeah, that's a really good question. And what the LMI researchers tell me, and they've been saying for the last couple of months, actually, is it's really a story about warehousing and transportation. Warehousing utilization is way up, capacity is down, and pricing is up, and it's pretty much the same story for transportation. So that situation is expected to hold steady through the rest of the year, driving what, what uh, the researchers and many others 
as as we've all been hearing, are you know calling sort of an unprecedented peak holiday season right now. So um, many retailers and supply chain companies are saying that they're already dealing with peak levels now, and that a spike in demand over the next few months will really test their supply chains. Uh, one interesting thing that the uh, researchers said this month in particular is that the data they're seeing now, really throughout the third quarter, is what they'd expect to see in Q4. So so looking ahead. Um, you know, it's going to be really, really busy, obviously. And, um, you know, some they've also pointed to some issues uh, like Amazon Prime Day, which I believe is next week, and um, sort of re other retailers having sales in conjunction with that are sort of aimed at really spreading out and sort of elongating this shopping season to kind of help deal with that demand and keep service levels where they want to be. Yeah, so we encourage listeners to definitely do their holiday shopping early. We hope a good, strong fourth quarter will hopefully also set the tone for a healthy recovery in 2021. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. Ben, you reported on a trend we're seeing on how retailers are reaching their customers during this pandemic. Can you tell us more about your report? Yeah, glad to, Dave. Uh, and this uh, really dovetails uh, neatly with what Victoria was just talking about, some of the rise um, in the LMI index uh, and some retailers seeing really fourth quarter. Uh, volumes already in, in the third quarter, uh, particularly she mentioned that magic word, which is Amazon. Uh, and throughout the pandemic, uh, we've heard various statistics showing that the volume of e-commerce shopping has jumped uh, since people are working and learning from home and ordering goods instead of uh, walking into stores. Uh, but from a new survey that we got uh, this week, the results showed that 46% of American companies now rely on online marketplaces as the channel for those uh, e-commerce sales, as opposed to selling the goods over their own corporate uh, retail websites. So online marketplaces is the generic industry term for uh, third-party e-commerce sites like Amazon, uh, as well as Walmart, eBay, Rakuten, uh, th there are a handful of them. Uh, so that demand uh, has pushed those marketplaces to have a higher market share. Uh, it was 28% uh, before the pandemic, uh, now 38% during the pandemic. Uh, so before the crisis, uh, those retailers had been making 34% of their sales online, but that included 28% in marketplaces and just 6% on their own websites. Uh, so you can see that uh, they really rely on those uh, online marketplaces. Uh, the survey, by the way, comes from the French logistics operator Geodes Group and from uh, Accenture, the consulting firm. Uh, so they had explained uh, that the reason for that imbalance uh, between selling on online marketplaces and uh, private websites is that a majority of the companies felt that their e-commerce potential is limited by their logistical capabilities. So they use the marketplaces to compensate uh, for that lack of resources and logistical infrastructure. Ben, do those retailers have any plans to build up their own logistics capabilities and to sell their goods over their own sites? They do, yeah. Geodis and Accenture um, said that the, the survey did show that. Uh, most of the brands surveyed uh, believe that their over-reliance on those online marketplaces is not sustainable uh, and that they want to shift more of the balance back toward their own e-commerce channels. Um, so nearly two-thirds of them uh, stated that reducing their dependence on marketplaces is their first or second priority for the next six months, uh, which is really striking considering some of the challenges that, uh, that all businesses are dealing with during the recession and the pandemic. Uh, and within three years, 77% uh, of American companies uh, said they wanna sell directly to consumers via their own websites. So uh, they have high hopes for sure, uh, but it won't be easy uh, because the survey showed that 
Retailers suffer from a lack of real-time supply chain inventory visibility. Uh, visibility is something that we uh, talk about very often, and uh, the retailers uh, really need to find ways to integrate their stores with their e-commerce networks to serve as order processing centers, um, which also touches on an important point that uh, Gillen had made about having one inventory. Um, and retailers will also be looking at having more diverse collection points, uh, shipping facilities, fulfillment centers. Uh, so the goal is to optimize their logistics costs for each order, uh, all while delivering that super fast customer satisfaction. Well, it does seem that the online selling marketplaces do seem to have an advantage. It'll be interesting to see uh, how companies can convert to their own sites and see how those developments are affected during the holiday season. Thank you, Ben. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there to check it all out. Thank you, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thanks, Dave. It's always fun. Yeah, my pleasure. And thanks again also to Gillen Hawks of Six River Systems for being with us today. We encourage your feedback on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCVTV. Be sure to check out the latest videos on dcvtv.com, the largest and best source of videos for the supply chain industry, including DCVTV Channel 4. This viewer-contributed channel includes hundreds of videos that DC Velocity's readers and industry suppliers have uploaded directly to the channel. Stop by often to see the latest uploads. Go to dcvtv.com to view them. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and now on Apple Music, too, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when our guest will be Yossi Sheffi, a professor at MIT, who will share about his latest book, The New Abnormal. Be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.